Good morning. We'll try to start on time because you have to finish on time because some people still have to dive in. Uh, I'd like to welcome Shlomo back who uh, flew in instead of listening on the phone. He does that once in a while to remind us he's listening, so be careful what you say. Uh, certainly about the Jemish. The uh, question Elliot uh, asked last week, just a point of uh, reference to the numbers, is actually... The number is not clear. They're different Makaris, but I think the one that has the most consensus is that Yeshua ben Nun was 42 when he left Mitzrayim, and that would make him 82 when he came into Yisrael. We know he was nifted 110, so duration of his rule would be 28 years. That's subject to a lot of Mahalikas, which is it's not the fairish uh, but you put the various things together, that's what it seems to be. And he would have preferred to have, obviously, 38 and more, which is why he was trying to slow it down. That's why we got into that last week. And that his best of intentions didn't work, and actually, Midi was shortened, which would explain the Hakdama that we're discussing now, why they were seemingly caught off guard. There wasn't somebody groomed for the leadership. And it'll happen, and... Klai always finds its way, Baruch Hashem, which he's going to discuss now as we continue the introduction, but for the immediate uh, filling of the position, that's what happened. Wow. That it wasn't, uh, wasn't expected, and if anything, he was trying to elongate the 120 number, uh, which, which didn't happen. So let's go back to the Agdama. We're on the third paragraph in the Das Seferim, the copy somewhere floating around. And it's very important. He's giving us an outline of what was supposed to be taking place and what did take place most of the time and uh, an overview of what will go wrong. There's a mitzvah We have every reason to assume and understand that every city had shaftim for disputes and they always had people poskening shailas and people uh, learning and passing on the Messiah. Uh, the Shetrim were there when necessary. Part of the godless over here was that most of the time it wasn't necessary, just like they didn't have a standing army because it wasn't necessary. Try having a country without a standing army and a very active police force and you're going to have mayhem. That was the attribute to the maturity and the from Kite, the organization of Klai Everybody did the right thing most of the time. Was most of the time a compliment, sometimes a disaster. But in the everyday, day to day life, they were doing the right thing because you got to get up for Shachras, not because the king said so. Not because the Shafit says so, because Hashem said so, and you gotta do the right thing, and you gotta treat people honestly, and you have to uh, deal with the chalukah. There's a lot to do, and they were very responsible people. Yerushalayim should dictate the day to day life. He has a very nice comment in the footnote of Naim. He points out that many of the Shaftim, all the Shaftim except for one, were tzaddikim. One will try to grab the reins of power. doesn't work out well for him or for Klai Yisrael. Uh, he was the glaring exception, which is amazing, because when you have a vacuum of power, usually there are a few bloody coups and 
and the like, and uh, assassinations, and Baruch Hashem, even the worst of time, with all the Avarazar, we had very little of that. There will be some, there was some, we had already in Malachan Beis, but comparatively very little. And the period of the Shaiftim, only one. Kedar Shama Gidon, La'em Shal Ani Bachem, in footnote 9, La'em Shal Ani Bachem, La'em Shal Banai Bachem, Hashem Yimash Bachem. They offered him the leadership and they said, if you'll help us and you'll be our leader and you'll be our Shaifet, your children and your grandchildren. He said, I'm not interested, I'm not your leader, you need something to do right now, I'll help you, but I'm not interested in the job and I'm not giving it over to my children. And he didn't, which is. Uh, godless and, and Gidon is a person he wasn't the golden learning he was a person who was really lishma and understood his place and understood what had to be done that was the godless I, I contrast that the first shaykh is Biosniel Ben Kanaz who was the shaykh and he helped them fight the wars and he was the Godladar and the uh, biggest Rosh not every shaykh had that but they knew their place and he wasn't interested in power Gedar Shama Shmuel Hashem Lakechem Kach Amr Chazan, Shmuel is the one who appointed the first king, Shaul, but he let them know that the original request, when they wanted it for the pomp and the ceremony, was not uh, according to the highest Madriga, and that's not what Hashem wanted. Yes, there's a mitzvah to have a king at such time that it's needed, and he felt it wasn't the time yet. That's why he was reminding them. So even when you have a king, you have to know the reason you're following instructions is because the Kosh said so, and then there are Bananim and sub who need the king to sometimes enforce it. Very fascinating, Sifri. Moshe Abenu was so concerned that it was love for Christ, so he wanted to make sure there's going to be a person leading them. And the request is not just for the leadership then, meaning Yeshua, which Hashem told him about and told him to actually appoint Yeshua Bechayev, which is unusual. It was a request for Dari Darius. The Kaisal shouldn't be alone. And Akash Baruch Hu said, it's. Good news and bad news. The good news is, like Kosh Baruch Hu said, they're going to figure it out. The other news is, you see from this medrash, this Sifri, it's an illusion that there will be a long and bitter gullus where they won't have official leadership. It's an illusion to the fact that they will have to come on to this, but this is why we survived. Hey, Shiva, Kosh Baruch Hu, Im la'zeid l'cha yafu v'nashim, ma'ulo shem'enavim, tzid l'cha be'kfiyatzayin, ma'ashini aisim ma'am be'ekev, meaning when they're punishment, when they're down and out, or at the bottom, dal gullus, we had Chachamim, we had some Nevi'im up to the beginning of Bayashani, and we had leaders, but they weren't officially mandated, and there was no official succession, and nobody was voting for it, and no one was running for office. We take that for granted. This would never have worked in any other society, because it would be bloody. And if you have a ruthless dictator who passes it on to his children, his grandchildren, and so on and so on, until somebody else fights for the job. Here, somebody once asked Ramesha, a reporter, I don't know how he got in. He said, uh, who elected him to go to Ladar? So he chuckled. <laughs> That's this footnote. That's the Sifri. We don't elect Gedele Adar. We, uh, we somehow figure it out. And uh, we know that uh, this is the Messiah, and we know what the Kosh Baruch wants from us, and we... If we don't, we find a Chacham who can explain it to us. So it says, Yalo Chacham, an elected official. And that represents Gullus. And Hashem said, the good news within the Gullus is that they will still have it when they need it. And that's really what the period of the Shaftim is about. It's people stepping up to the plate, so to speak. When something had to get done, 
even though they weren't looking for the job and often they had to be convinced and talked into it and they did it l'shma. That's why they succeeded. With that said, when it comes to the uh, municipal elections and local and national, you have to vote because the Mishnah Ava says that for society at large, this doesn't work and you need a very rigid official system and then we've got to make sure part of the civic duty that you get the right people in. Um, when the cameras are off, we'll uh, mention a thing or two about that. I'll mention it as a private individual, not as a, uh, as a uh, order from the shul, because that's illegal. But as a private individual, I asked uh, one of the local politicians, we were having a discussion, I said, is it uh, mutter for the, I didn't use the word mutter, for the uh, shul to make answers? No, you can't do it as a shul, but the rabbi can have an opinion and state it. That's not, you're no worse than a regular citizen. So that's the legality of it, but not on the camera. So uh, if you're not here, we apologize. But uh, it's important because otherwise everybody swallows each other up, as it says in the mission of us, and then you need something official. It doesn't work otherwise. Let's go back to, I don't know why these things always fall on election week, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't rig this. Back up top after the footnote nine. Bate hadina deracious call the sasuchim sfekis. So they're bate dinim for the small claims, so to speak, or even larger claims. People have misunderstandings, and then he's fekis, lahanish chaitim galuyim, and people who are doing the wrong things in an obvious way, they'll punish them. They give makas. Mises Bastin was always relatively rare. But these bate dinim were functioning. Shouldn't look at the shaitim as the Wild West that no one's around, and once in a while, Gidlin got up and fought a war, or where was everybody else? He was the shefet who actually had to put people together and raise an army and fight a mochama. The regular shefetim were doing what they're supposed to do in every generation. That's judge the people. And often uh, when you had a person who was able to do A, he was also doing B in the backdrop. Devera was, a uh, says Beferish, but Asnil Ben Kanaz also, it says, that they were judging the people. And then once in a while, they also had to get everybody together and do something on a national scale. And often it was not a national scale, it was for a few shvatim, which we'll get to in our travels through shavtim. When is it the shavit's problem and when is it Klai Yisrael's problem? And it wasn't so simple to figure out. Rylodover is often when they tried to raise an army, they had no standing army and there was no mandatory draft and they had to now send out shlichim to people that we have a problem, please meet us on the following mountain and we're going to go fight them. And this is once in a blue moon. And the Shvatim who were immediately in the trenches came, and often they reached out to some of the Shvatim, not everybody, and they didn't come. And they were punished by the Shevet because they were wrong, but what was their Havamina? Answer is, it's every Shevet supposed to conquer, you have a problem with your neighbor, it doesn't have to become our problem. And the right of is that they asked for help of a few Shvatim, whoever was in the area could be of help, but it's clear that not everybody was involved in most of the wars as opposed to when they had a king, and the king officially raised an army by Shaul and Medevinel, then everybody was involved, except for Sheva Levi, the Lundi Terra, whoever had the other exemptions. But here, it was a problem they were trying to solve on a local level, which is fine if it worked. So, they would punish people once in a while, because the Underpinnings, again, we're not going to talk about it at full length because it's going to take us quite a while, but Pelegas Begiva was fought on a level that they had never done before or since, and most of the clay was involved. 
Uh, it was a disaster until they finished the war, but the disaster was the fact that they were very, very uh, giving of their time and putting themselves in Sakana to fix a problem they felt was here. It happened at the beginning of Sefer Shevetim, as I mentioned last week, even though it's at the end. It's written at the end. And the only thing they were wrong about, which was a big deal, is do we have to fight this war now? But the fact that they were up in arms, literally and figuratively, the figurative part was good. There was a terrible affair that happened, and uh, hello, Doverhu. You can't just uh, sit around and say, okay, well, you know, boys will be boys. You have to do something about it. The question is, how much? And they weren't used to understanding what to do because they didn't have a king, and it were, they were fresh and very disrobed. And they always had their eyes out for a king at such time that it would be necessary, person from the right shavit with the right midas and the like, which didn't happen for a long time, partially because it wasn't necessary, and the other part was they didn't have the right person yet. Now he turns to another subject. They were learning. What were they learning? So we know that it wasn't until relatively late in history that they made a Takana, that they would have a free schooling for everybody. The first prototype of a public school in a yeshiva form, uh, light years before the rest of the world. And they realized that the mitzvah is Shinantam So that's good if he had a father. What happens in Nebuchadnezzar? He didn't have a father, or he had a father and he was away on business because he belonged to a Roland's shipping company and he was away six months a year. Or he had a father who didn't know how to learn, couldn't teach, and not every father can learn with a son. And there are a lot of things going on. They realize that there are a lot of people who are learning with their fathers and there are a lot of people who aren't. And we need to fix the system and get the people who don't have the opportunity to have a yeshiva in every town. That was many, many years later. What does that tell you? That tells you that for many centuries it wasn't necessary. There were always some people falling through the cracks because nothing's perfect, but by and large, they were getting the job done. So that's his comment over here. We don't know exactly what the Seder Limit was. They didn't have a whole lot of svarim. They had a chumish, and they had a chumish, maybe by this time, a Sefer Yoshua. And most little villages didn't even have that. They had that, but there's a mitzvah of Kislev Chavis Hashir Technically, everybody has a mitzvah to write their own. By and large, historically, that wasn't done all the time, simply because if you didn't know how to write, you had to spend the money, and not everybody had the money, and it was very expensive. And he will comment soon that there were a lot of small villages. Remember, part of the problem over here, which they weren't used to, is that all of a sudden they're in a very small arena for 40 years, and they got a mini kailo moving with Anonim, and Moshe Rabbeinu was right there, and all there's a canem, and there's and now you're on a farm, the closest guy is seven acres away, or seven miles away. So that hurts the, the achtus, possibly, and the learning. It's the way it has to be for the outlying areas. Not everybody can live in a city in those days. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot going on. Well, each shevet had their own. They, they didn't write svarim. They always had notes, but I'll give you an idea. It's a good, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there was actually a lot of learning going on. I'll explain to you why. The mitzvah, they're coming out of the midbar. All they did was 40 years is extreme hasmod, in a positive way. There was not a minute to be lost, and they were going into Yisrael. They were fighting the initial battles, and if you remember, the uh, Yeshua ben Nun is in charge. He's the Gadladar, the Masmed Adar. Yeshua was known for his hasmodah. Never left the best measure. She was the last one in, first, last one out, first one in, and 
he was now commander in chief in running Kleisal. Do you remember the Gemara Megillah? That uh, very shortly after they got in, he has a lot on his mind. He's running Kleisal, fighting a battle, and you got to make sure everything goes right the first couple of battles. And all of a sudden, he sees this menacing-looking thing. He doesn't know it's a malach. He doesn't know he's an enemy. He says, are you on our side? Yes, they didn't know what it was. He found out pretty quickly it was a malach. And the malach had a sword drawn, and he asked him, well, what's the matter? What, what did I do wrong? And by the time you finish that Gemara, he gets a Peladic Gemara for, for, Shaftim, for, Yeshua, for Yeshua and Shaftim. He was um, the night before a battle, and everybody was preparing, maybe trying to get some sleep, you would think. And he had more in his mind than everybody else collectively, and the Malach came to be Tavea him on Bittul Teru. So you ask, how much they've been learning for 14 years? The eve of the battle, the Malach came and almost killed him because he was Mavato Night Seder. I would have thought to be Mavato Night Seder the night before a battle if we ever, we shouldn't need it. But if all of you would tell me, can we cancel Shear, we got to go conquer Yushalayim tomorrow, I would say, okay, get a good night's sleep. Well, Yeshua Ben said that. It was the wrong decision. So apparently, there was not only a lot of learning going on, but they were nitva on the hour extra they could have learned. And uh, Amala came to let them know in no uncertain terms. That's when he figured out. But he's the commander-in-chief. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's how I'm answering your question. He's saying, how much learning? You would think. I would agree with you. You would think. How much learning? They're fighting wars all the time. The answer is the eve of a battle. They were going to battle in a few hours. And they weren't just pressing buttons. They were really fighting. And he was nitva on Bittal Terror. It's a scary... Probably. Probably because there's a chiv to get married at 18. And uh, yeah, it's also be with that one, yeah. Probably did. We don't know. Was, but probably yes. And Rachel, by the way, not only did he have a lot on his mind, but uh, I'll remind everybody of something we know about, is that you could be Yeshua ben Nun. You could be Moshe Rabbeinu. And you will have rabble-rousers and kairach v'adasa and all the people complaining on everything you do, even though you're doing the right thing all the time. That's the only mistake. It wasn't even an Avera. The Yeshua ben Nun did. And due to his godless, the Malachim and Kosh Baruch Hu and Mitzrachim sent them out to let him know that, no, that I understand your cheshman, that's wrong. So you can imagine when he married Rochav, um, what a uh, matzav it was in terms of the uh, bloggers and the, uh, you know, she was um, a hale with uh, somewhat of a complicated background, uh, say the least, we're not learning Sefer Yeshua now, but just to understand that uh, the shaftim and they became shaftim, especially when they weren't elected for the job, once you had the job, you had to be a shaftim, and it's not always so easy especially since you're trying to satisfy some of the people some of the time, and you also have to make sure you don't cause any bittal tearing, you're not mevatal korban shaltamid. There were a couple of titans in that gemara, and he asked, he asked the malach, which one did you come for now? There were a couple of mistakes. Uh, and he said the bittal tearing, more than the avayda. <coughs> that's, um, that's, that's a lot to juggle, but that's why Yeshua Benun was Yeshua Benun. So... Let's go back here at the bottom paragraph. So not everybody had to say for Torah even because they couldn't all afford it. It's the Achrayas of the Father. Chalish Lakaya Mitzvah's Talmud. Next page. Talmud Torah. And you look at footnote 12, the Gemara Babasra. That's where it's brought down. This is Tashlus of the Varm, but Chila Mishesh La Amalam, the Terra Mishesh La Lo Yalamid, until 
the number of the people who weren't getting the Messiah weren't learning grew enough that they had to change the system or at least embellish it and fill in the uh, cracks. Certainly many centers of learning, many yeshivas, and the like, like Asniel ben Kana. It's not a mistake, not a coincidence. He's the first shefet. He was the one who kept the Messiah going when the 3,000 halachas of fourth were lost, rather, in the time of Yeshua ben Nun. And Yeshua ben Nun was uh, busy running Klai Yisrael. He was learning a lot, but... The Avelis HaMesh Rabbeinu, they got to Yeshua, and Yeshua was asked to Shaila, and he didn't know the answer because those halachas were lost. Asnil Bakanaz is the one who brought it back with his pilpul. He used uh, the Maseri, he used the uh, Klalim, and he started darshaning Klala Prat, and Gezei Roshavas, and Lamdus, and Kavachimers, and, and he brought it all back. That's a lot of work, bring back 3,000 details of Dinim. They didn't forget Shmir Shabbos, they were details, but they were important. The, all details are important. And he had a lot of Tamidim. Uh, when we get to him in the Navi, we're going to get to him in Shaftim, it's uh, going to describe his main tefillah in life was to be Marba Talmidim and Marba's Torah, make sure the Messiah, he understood his point in Klai Yisrael's history was very, it was somewhat fragile, and just like he had to bring back the Zalachas, he had to make sure that nothing else was forgotten and that it's passed on at a time when they still have much conquering to do. So that's his backdrop here. There was a lot of learning going on. But they were getting used to how to do it, even in smaller places, and to try to get as many people as you can. Smaller villages, and they were trying to get used to this matzah. And he points out in the footnote 13 that in Mitzrayim, there's a lot of learning also. That's why Shevet Levi providentially was given off from the Shibud, so they could, throughout the hundreds of years, pass on the Maseira of whatever they had, Zion Mitzvahs, and Gidanosha, and... Uh, all the mitzvahs the others had already, and they were keeping a lot of it before Matan Torah, and they had to remind them with everything that was going on that they're still yidden and they're still responsible, and uh, they're getting out soon. So that's the purpose of the Levium and the Midbar. So it was uh, from the time Yaakov went out to Mitzrayim, there were always these Batim Midrashim and these Mekaymas. Matzav Zen, next paragraph, Garam Takala Sibirias, the fact that it wasn't everywhere, and there wasn't one central place, uh, caused some issues. And then the guy on his farm and his homestead can start getting used to the fact that he's the Balabas and he's in charge. And the further you are away from the center or centers, the more you can start drifting and think that, uh, okay, I'm in charge over here and I can do whatever I want. There's always going to be people like that. Lakabal uh, Maris means to be mashabed yourself to what's really supposed to be done. And like to give again the most extreme example, but there were times when they were called and they didn't always come. And that gave the ability of those who are weaker to struggle more. It's been that way. We're used to this already. Because in Gullahs, we don't have autonomy. There were periods in Gullahs where they gave them autonomy. You, have, you look at Chuvas Arash. The Rush in Spain had autonomy. The basin, they took over the basin of the Rashba, and they beat it out ancient. Uh, sometimes Harashah is to get things done. They didn't love us too much, but at least it was stable enough at that time in Spain that the guy recognized we don't need their, their problems, we're not interested, and let them self-govern. In the Middle Ages, that was not uncommon. 
Uh, today, that's not the case. Uh, has some idlers and many chesrenis. Uh, the based in uh, can give up sock and um, the baladinim, if, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of such a concept, but the baladin who loses might not listen. You say, well, why did he come? He thought he would win. So what can they do? People are complaining. Uh, the basin can't do anything. Well, that's not a complaint against the basin. The robber, that's to their credit that they uh, sat through it all and dealt with it even though it might not work. That's part of Gullus. So what you, the first thing you can do is to make sure that the other side that might not cooperate, you do it for both, uh, signs an arbitration agreement. So it's enforceable by law. What does that do for you? Well, it puts you in the same status of any American, and that and the token might get you in the train. Because if you want to be obstinate and you have enough money, you could start, you could say, okay, I'll go to court and then hire attorneys and then schlep it through the courts. And if you want to outspend the other guy, you can keep appealing and appealing and appealing and never lose. That's not a perfect science, but it's not our problem. That's the problem in the general court system also. For good or for bad, an appeal, to have an appeal system is good if the decision was wrong, and it's not good if somebody's playing the system, but that has nothing to do with Basin. That's That Basin can only enforce it to the extent that they can enforce it, and the guy wants to continue fighting. So when you have Shaifed, and you don't have a king with a real police arm, you can go to the Shaifed or not go to the Shaifed or go and not listen. But these were Yechidim, that most of the people did the right thing. And every time it didn't go well, we have many, many gzeiras and takanas and drabonas. Those were developed over time by the Gedeliadar, by the Sanhedrin, to fix problems as they had you in Sadeiris. We have more gzeiras because the more you read that you have, the more tikkunim and fences you need. And Chazal don't make gzeiras on every Monday and Thursday. They were very hesitant to make a gzeira. It's huge. It's not baltaisiv because the Pasuk says you have to listen to them. But we have hundreds of gzeiras, not hundreds of thousands, because you don't want to add too much. You want to add what's necessary. Shlomo Melech made many takanas, many famous ones. Nantia Sadaim, we just uh, saw it in Kahelis. But Lamaisa, there were three added in this kufa, another five over here, and all that, based on what's needed. And... They learned from experience. And when a major shefer died, there was this, again, this vacuum of leadership because of their anivas, and rightfully so, and then they continued doing the right thing for a while, and the Pasuk will say that the land was peaceful for 40 years, or for 30 years, or it worked well until it stopped working and some of the people started doing the wrong things again. The backdrop uh, we're going to see in the first two prokim is going to be the issue that's going to follow us throughout the entire Shaftim, and that is we don't make very good conquerors even when it's a mitzvah deraisa, and they never really, with tremendous reasons, when Mekayim L'Sachai Kalon Shaman got rid of everybody. And the Navi keeps telling them, and the Shaftim keeps telling them, you've got to finish this because if they're next door, you're going to pick up their shenanigans and their avodah and their lifestyle. And that's not very healthy. And uh, we weren't, it didn't go quick enough, which is what created the problem. So again, As we said before, due to their wonderful midas, they didn't want to pass it, because they weren't looking for the job in the first place. They knew that was the right and obligation of a king. Al-Pidin, 
Nepotism is a chi of the raisa for a king. For a shayfet, they were a shayfet ad hoc and they didn't want the covet and they didn't want to pass it to their children and somebody else could do the job better, let them get the job. By a king, it goes to the prince, the prince that's most worthy, the bachar is in the running first, and if he's basically a mamalamakam, even though you can find one or two or three or five or ten people in class who can do the job better, they're not in the running for the job. It goes to the prince. But he's got to be in the parsha. That was not true in the period of the shaftim. Likashimsa, and they find the next one who can do the job the best. Af, and do their nevis and their wariness of appointing somebody who's not the best at it. They had a lot of gedelim around in every generation, but they're thinking of Meshavena and Yeshua. Okay, who's the Mamalimakam? So everybody said it's real nevis. I don't know, it's not me. Asnil Bakanaz wasn't looking for the job either, even though it became very obvious after a while that it was him. They weren't looking for the covet. And they had a mirsus from Klai Yisrael. They respect the Klai Yisrael. They said, I'm not a leader for Klai Yisrael. Let them do the right thing themselves. As I mentioned, nobody took the Shefet job by force except for Avimelech, and we're going to see why that happened with him, but he wasn't such a great, great guy. It doesn't say he was a Russian Musha in any other area and that he wasn't from, but he was a little bit too hungry for the power. He was a son of Gidon. Gidon was a Shefet. He was a good person, but if uh, Gidon himself said that I'm not passing on to my children, why is he fighting for it? And his reign, so to speak, only lasted three years. Bitvar Shem Kaisev Shmuel Anavi, who is the author of Sefer Shaftim, is Marmarus Al Tafash Shainus Betekufazu. And Novi is here only to tell us about the mistakes, primarily, and how to fix them and how to be careful to avoid them. So it's written with a magnifying glass on Averus. So it sounds like every Pusak somebody's getting in trouble. We know that from Shmuel and Malachim already. That's the way it's written because it's written for the Musr. And Klai Yisrael is held to a very high standard, and the Navi B'Shem Hashem is going to remind them of that, that if they're doing much better than the surrounding nations, who are not doing well at all, who are still bringing human sacrifice, who are fighting wars all day, that's not good enough. We always have a taina. The UN somehow manages every Monday morning on their busy agenda to find something to condemn the Jews about. So you wonder, well, it's a double standard, it's not fair. It's not fair, it's anti-Semitism. However, the nakuda of it is, they wouldn't say this and spell this out, but what's really going on is the people who aren't so anti-Semitic and they would stop and think about it, they would say, yeah, it is, it's an interesting thing that it's always Israel and they're doing next door, north, south, east, west, they're doing uh, human atrocities and the... Uh, no human rights and it's terrible it's far worse but the Jews are the Jews they're the people of the book and they're a democracy and they're, they should be better so I'm not trying to malam on why they're attacking us all the time that's just anti-Semitism but it's true the fact that we're not uh, killing people and torturing people all the time uh, or not as much or not at all hopefully is not an answer if we in the eyes of the world have to take a higher standard even though that's not fair, and um, the eyes of the Navi happens to be, Kirsh Hashem means you have to 
take the high road when you can. The only problem is, it's very hard to fight a war like that. And if the other people are not playing by your rules, uh, how do you win a war like that? Good kasha, it's part of Golis. Higher standard because they're in Eretz Yisrael. And they're getting everything that was promised. The Pasuk will spell out everything that was promised in the Chumash. Yeshua ben Nun, when he conquered only half of it, but there was Eichet to all the Gashmias and the rain Beitam and the crops. And they had it all in front of them, but that triggers his chayvis. It's only on condition and that they have it spill over to their neighbors, but the neighbors should be looking from afar. shouldn't be the next-door neighbor. Had everything gone near perfectly, the taka would have been Mekayim, what we're supposed to do is the Amen Ifcher, and it would have gone in to the Tkuf of the Malachim without any mistakes afterwards. It's not our job right now, because we don't have enough resources, but there is the backdrop of the Tikkun of the world. Tikkun Olam has been hijacked, so we don't talk about it too much because it's misunderstood. And uh, it now means save the whales and save the people at the border, even though they're illegal and they might be violent. And save everybody else. There's no Judaism left. So it's all about tikkun olam. So it's been hijacked. But there is certainly a concept, lots of love that the umas olam who survive should be learning right and wrong, and we should be setting an example. Right now, the resources have to be spent on cure of internally. But that is the goal. Kemosha roy hayolios lefishanem abesefer. Next page. Dvar mishmarta masisim kihi chachmascham binascham laeni amim. Should be setting an example. And when we succeed, it's not only good for us, it's a Kiddush Hashem that you see that the Goyim will look and notice everything's going right. Gashmias and Ruchnias, and their God protects them, and it must be He's the God of everybody. Maybe we should learn something. And that was the uh, purpose of Klai Yisrael. still is, but we have to deal with one thing at a time. Uh, we'll continue next week with the Hakdama. Let's go to the Pelayet for a few minutes. Uh, there's still some in the box. We're on page Lamed Vav. Get back your copies when you uh, leave. Page Lamed Vav, we're talking about Achtus, which fits in with the Parsha and with what we just saw on Shaftim, which for the most part was uh, kept, as we just mentioned. Uh, he gives an interesting idea in the bottom paragraph on how to deal with people and run public life. Chol Chabura. See the third paragraph of Mej Lamed Vav. Kol chaburu shereitz and lasses davar sheilokim v'amado. If you want to get something done in organized public life, or even with within your little chaburu or your family, sheilokim v'amado tsar sheyokula maguda achas vaaz karuchas ba'elam ein mazizim asamim kamim. If you have achtos, it's a tremendous schooler for protection. As we saw yesterday, 
Dorav Achav had Achdus, they went to battle and they won. Unfortunately, many of them didn't do tshuva and they didn't go to Lamhaba. So the end did not end well, but it's an automatic protection and if you do the right thing, then it's a protection and you also accomplish goals that are worthy to accomplish. There's nothing wrong with a little disagreement and people voicing their opinion, but you've got to make a decision. And the trick is, after you make a decision, you have to have the people who didn't see it that way come along. And that's the problem. Decisions are made, and then there are people who stand on ceremony and covered. Standing on ceremony is a nice way of saying gaiva and covered. And uh, they don't agree, they didn't agree, and they're still not going to agree. And they're going to be complaining all the time and not following. That's not a way to run anything. Unless uh, there's a clear and present danger if the decision made and it's not so bad, so you go along with it. And the achfus itself is the siyat deshmaya. That's a lesson that has to be internalized by society at large. Which means you're going to get somewhere, you're not going to go backwards. The minority. If they lose the vote and they're a minority, they have to cooperate unless the agenda is usher. So again, it's good for uh, elections. There has to be law and order. And again, I'm not taking sides and I'm not saying anybody's a relative tzaddik to anybody else and whether we should be uh, threatening and telling foreign countries and whether the impeachment process is correct or incorrect. I'm not coming to defend or confirm either way, but there is something wrong when there is an election and then it's lost and the day after it's widely reported by the losers that we have to start the impeachment process. That was the day after a couple of years ago. That's before any phone call. So there's got to be something wrong with that. That's called a sore loser. So the point over here is that... Uh, Right, okay. So that's uh, nothing wrong with getting your people together and saying, next time we're going to win and we're going to try. Uh, you want to rally the troops? <coughs> rally the troops. But you've got to run a country in between, which is getting extremely difficult to do. And Pellier is telling us that even if you're not running a whole country and you're just running a village or your immediate <coughs> group of friends or your family, family's a little different because you can... Ask the kids sometimes for an opinion, but you got to have a decision, and it's not always by majority. I told you uh, about the Chalamoy discussion we had many years ago when I already had four children, Kananahar, and uh, we started discussing, I think, seven Shabbosim before Yontif, where we're going to Chalamoy, which if you do that, there's a half a chance you'll get going by 2 p.m. on the day of Chalamoy. So, uh, so uh, I voted for the Bronx Zoo on Wednesday because that's less expensive. That's always my opening line. You've got to start from there. And they had some exotic thing they had in mind, which um, really wasn't that expensive compared to what some of the things are being suggested today. But um, I, after the discussion, I said, no, if it's not the Bronx Zoo, we'll do something else. But their suggestion was too far. And my daughter, who was then in fifth grade and started to learn social studies, said, well, she has a good idea. Why don't we have a vote? I was caught by surprise. I said, boy, time really flies. She's already in fifth grade. A vote? So I said, where'd you hear that from? He says, we just learned it, that in America we have a system and we vote and there's a majority. So I quickly look around the table to take a head count. And it was four to two, <laughs> which is a problem because the Rebbitson agreed with me. But she seemed to be rallying the troops in the other direction. 
So I told her that um, that's true for the government. Uh, here is not a democracy. <coughs> I got her thinking. So it's not a democracy. What is it? So I didn't want to tell her it's a monarchy, but she asked. She says, are you a king? <laughs> so I said, something like that, but it's not a monarchy. It's sort of like a theocracy, and I'm trying to interpret the Dvar Hashem. Okay. So that really threw off theocracy, so I didn't, uh, that was the end of the discussion. So in the family, you can put some things to a vote, but you've got to be careful where and when you do that because given enough time, you might be outvoted on some crucial issues which are really not subject to debate. And sometimes children have to be mechunuch. So you've got to know where to give in and where not, and I wouldn't fight a battle over the Bronx Zoo, but it uh, wasn't a major battle, it was a short discussion and a very good lesson on social studies. Uh, I think she uh, learned something. Uh, it's very ironic because uh, she lives here in Muncie and she was just there every Shabbos as she always is in the house and walked in with her many children, Baruch Hashem, and they seem to be having a similar discussion. <laughs> so, and she finally learned that it's a theocracy because uh, she uh, reined everybody in very quickly and they cooperated. So something worked somewhere, Baruch Hashem. May Ra El Ra. And if you don't learn how to accept something when you didn't win, it causes machlekes and eish lahava shalhevis rosa muvos acharei ros rabas machmon laslan. And if you don't put out the fire, it becomes very damaging. For amru mashol laguda afilu im he shall kanim kalzman shank shurim yachad afilu gibur shall be giburim any achol shabrasam. You take fragile reeds. One or two, you can snap. When you have 20 of them and they're together, it's very hard to break. And when you have dissension, you're always going to have a problem. So he suggests you want to do something in your city. He says, you want to get everybody involved, you want to get the majority of the people to do the right thing, don't speak to everybody at once. I've always told people this. You've got to figure out, before you go into the meeting, which way this is going to go. I know that sounds counterintuitive. The people who look at me funny when I say that have never been to meetings. You've got to figure out. There might be some further discussion, but you've got to know what you're aiming for. And he says that, Beferish. He says, first, speak to a lot of individuals and try to explain to them what has to be done to know that you have some people understand what's going on already before the public gets involved. And that's his suggestion. He says, then you have a fighting chance. He gives another marshal with the agaizim. You could break one at a time, the whole sack is hard to take on. And of course, have an agenda lishma. The minority should be fighting if you're doing the wrong thing. So you have to make sure you're doing the right thing first. The girsit should probably be kikairach. If you do a lishma and you do the right thing, then you do one by one and get enough people and then start the meeting. And then it will succeed. May Tashem will continue next week. What? Uh, yeah, you have, otherwise, nothing.